0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to HeyKirwin, where you have the questions and I give the answers. Would you ever do a 24-hour live stream? That sounds horrible. Well, I would rather masturbate with a cheese grater. Joel Kahn, uh, first question on Facebook says, when is it okay to be focused on the money side of things? Look, I don't think it's ever okay to be focused on the money unless you want the consequences that that's gonna bring. Uh, we need to understand what the focus on money actually does fundamentally to our psychology but also our behaviors. When people focus on money, it narrows their perspective. Okay, When people fo- focus on money, it increases the probability they're experiencing stress. But also when people focus on money, they're eight times more likely to engage in deceit, deception, or omissive behaviors, which also means they're eight times more likely to be charged with a fraud-related offense due to being some, doing some form of dishonest conduct in business, which is not where you wanna go. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone who focuses on money is full of shit and a a big dirty lie. But it does mean it increases the probability of certain behaviours and certain traits that those people might carry coming out in normal everyday people because they're focusing on the wrong thing. So my advice to you is when it comes to focusing on money. The only time you should ever be focusing on money is when you're looking at your financial reports either every fortnight or every month. You should be at an absolute minimum looking at your, your numbers uh, every month. So I think you should be focusing on your, mon- on your money every month or every fortnight, but you're not focusing on it from the perspective of, how can I get more of this stuff? You're focusing on the perspective of, how am I managing it? you know, is there an order, is there a structure, is there a level of appreciation to what I'm doing with this substance as it's coming into my world and am I measuring it not just how much it's coming in and where it's coming from but also how much is going out and where it's actually going to and am I also trying to reduce those costs to ensure that I protect you know, what it is that I have you know, in my, in my stead and uh, in my care. So look, I, I I was gonna answer this question before, and I was almost in my head gonna start answering this before, that it's okay to start focusing, it's okay to focus on money at the start, and then I started to think, all the mistakes that I made, like I made so many mistakes, and I see so many other people making so many mistakes as well, when they focus on the money. It's just, there is, to me, based on my experience with what I've learned, I wouldn't be where I am today if I hadn't gone through that period of focusing on money first, because it was the focus on money that led to the mistakes that actually created Created enough pain that awoken me into a completely new and different perspective that I may not have had if I had just gone down the purpose path to begin with. So I'm not gonna say that it's never okay to focus on money, but what I am gonna say is the sooner that you can move away from money and focus on something greater than making money, like your purpose, why you're here, what you're here to do, you know, the impact that you want to leave behind, the legacy that you want to leave in this planet once you depart, you know, the sooner your life is gonna get into a you know a much better state of flow for you to move in the right direction where it is you want to go. Just don't focus on the money. It's it's money. It's, it's, it, it, it uh, can you, okay, think about this. Most people get really excited about money, but I, I then say to that person, how would you like to have a million dollars? Oh my God, that'd be amazing. But imagine you could only ever visit that million dollars in a room and there was no, there's no seats, there's no chairs, there's no bed. You just walk in, there's just a million dollars. You can't take it out, you can't spend it. Would you love it as much then? No, you wouldn't because it would just be an innate object sitting there that's just a material object that doesn't mean anything. There's no value with it unless you can do something for it, do something with it money has no value the value of money comes from what it can actually give us and we need to be focusing on what what we want from the money, not the money itself. Because for me, one of the things that I've learned about money is when you focus on doing business well, when you focus on delivering value, when you focus on good business practice and principles, money is a natural consequence. And I think the challenge for most people is they're actually focusing on the consequence, not on the action. And when you're focusing on the consequence, you know, if you're focusing on money, okay, you're gonna make a lot of silly and stupid mistakes, but if you're focusing on delivering the things that will, as a consequence, create the money, then the money just takes care of itself. Just focus on the thing that produces the money and get money out of your head. The only time you should be thinking about money is twice a month or once a month when you're looking at your financials and you're looking at where the money is coming from. But most importantly, where is that money going? And you're making sure that you're trying to protect it and cut the costs every time you look at it. Is it because it's draining to think about the money? Or it's, it's, look, it's draining, it's stressful. You know, it, it increases the likelihood of stress-related illness and disease. Um, you know, because when you're focusing on money and it's not coming in, Okay, you're gonna get stressed. If your main focus is money and it isn't coming in, you will get stressed, okay, if that's your focus and your love. But if you focus on what, doing on what you love and the money's not coming in, yeah, you still might experience some stress, but you're not gonna be as stressed because you're actually doing something that brings joy to your life. You can't be happy and miserable at the same time. But if you're focusing on money as your outcome, you're not getting it, it will be very easy to be miserable. But if you're focusing on what you love, okay, and you're doing what you love, you'll be happy even if you're not making money because you'll be focusing on doing something you actually genuinely love. You know, those two emotions can't mix together at the same time, but they do work independently very well in the wrong situations. Just take control of the situation. Paul Easton on YouTube says, hey, Corbin, how to deal with holding on to an expected outcome? So how to let go of attachment? Yeah, how to deal with the holding on to expectations. The best way to deal with attachment is to let go. I know, right, sounds cliche. When I talk about attachment, and, and again, the, the quote that I use that really describes this is, is whatever you need in life will control you. And the things that we're attached to, uh, are the things that will have the power to control us? Um, you know, because if you're really attached to, you know, love or that feeling of love, you are opening yourself up to the possibility of being controlled by the people that you see have the potential to give you love. If you know, if you if you need money, if you need health, whatever it is that you feel like you need, you will be controlled by the people who potentially hold the keys to you unlocking and, and receiving what it is that's, uh, the, the, that that uh, that you actually need. So for me you know, it's about surrendering and surrendering for me, it isn't about giving up, it's about letting go and letting go for me is looking at the emotional attachment that I have to the outcome. Because I, I can be attached to something and it doesn't happen and I'm completely neutral. And I can be attached to something and it doesn't happen and I get upset. The only difference being is the emotional investment, you know, between the two different outcomes. And for me, I can actually, I have healthy levels of attachment to a lot of things, you know, to every single team member here, you know, to, to my family and, and, and to friends and everything else. But what I have known, you know, especially with you, know, you might have people that come into your life that become very attached to you, but then they leave. And when you're in business, you know that you know if you've been in business for long enough, that's going to happen with you know so often, especially if you go through a number of businesses at a scale, that you get to the point where it just becomes normal. And I still remember going back, you know, fifteen years ago, when someone used to leave. You know, I used to get really up. I used to I used to take it personally. I wouldn't get really upset, but I get upset. Now, when someone leaves, I just shake their hand and smile and wish them luck. And I literally, and I mean this, I feel nothing. I feel nothing. And the reason I feel nothing. Is because I'm no longer emotionally invested in the things that are around me. I like, you know, the things around me. I love many of the things around me, but I also understand that you know, life is short and things are fleeting and things come and things go. Life is something that's precious and fleeting, but also people are precious and fleeting. You know, and some people come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, and um, you know, whether it be you're attached to a person or attached to an outcome, you've got to look at what the emotional. You know, the emotional investment is behind that and that really comes down to what does that mean? You know, what does this relationship mean if it ended? Um, and I think once we really look at that, it gives us the ability to be able to remove whatever that emotional attachment is because that emotional attachment, and this is what, uh, you know, what that I learned and realized within myself, the emotional attachment is actually the delusion because we're attached to something that isn't real. Because you know, a lot of people don't, you know, can't really distinguish between what is real and what isn't when it comes to emotion. Because have you ever taken something the wrong way you know, when you've been sensitive or when you've been upset? And, and it wasn't that what was said to you was bad, it was just you were in the frame of mind that filtered the information in a way that made it mean something that it didn't and you got upset. Okay, because you were in a delusion, you were intoxicated by emotions. And emotions, they delude us. Emotions intoxicate us, but emotions are also the, 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 the hooks behind the attachments that we put on things because the attachments that we put on things, when they're taken away, that what does that trigger? That triggers emotion. So it is the emotion that is hooked into the things that we think we want, that when they're removed, you know, trigger the emotions in the outpouring. But if there is no emotional attachment, there is nothing to be attached to. And when things leave, you can actually see the beauty in what the experience has been which is both sides because I'm not saying I never get up, you know up, upset when someone leaves I don't get upset but I see you know I, I'll sometimes say oh that's a shame because but I'm also glad because I can see both sides and when we allow ourselves to be neutral Neutral of emotion, uh, you know, and, and, and aware of the emotional attachments that we have, we can start working on removing those attachments by just becoming conscious. And a lot of people say, well, how do I move attachment? Just become a conscious of the attachment in the first place, and it will start to dissolve. As long as you realize it's there and you start working on letting it go, letting it go, letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. And, you know, it won't happen overnight, but it will happen. Just let it go. Surrender. Surrender isn't about giving up, it's about letting go. So, um, Attachments and expectations are like false creations though, like well, ourselves. I don't think there's anything wrong with an expectation as long as you're not attached to it. Expectations are very healthy. You know, we we plan every every you know, every month, every quarter of the year. We plan. So we have expectations of what the things that we want to do, but you know, for the most part we have very different emotional responses that come up if they're achieved or not achieved. So for us, when we look at the the attachment of the outcome or the expectation, if we achieve it, we'll celebrate, but we won't go overboard with the celebration. Okay, but, and if we don't achieve it, we won't get upset because we don't go overboard with getting upset. We just look at what are the lessons learned? You know, what did I learn from this? How's this gonna make us better the next time? What is this giving us that we didn't have before, and how can we use this information moving forward to be even better next time? Got a little meditation question from Patrick Durie. Hey, Corwin, you did a great video on meditation. Uh, is there any particular mantras to get very deep very quick? Um, in order to get deep very quick, my belief is it's got nothing to do with the mantra and everything to do with the discipline and the practice, you know It's, it's like saying to someone, you know, uh, have you got a special strategy that would make my business grow really fast? Because when we talk about getting deep fast like that's that's an experience that's that's the experience of an experienced sitter or someone who is an experienced meditator, like someone who sits on a regular basis, who meditates on a regular basis. And we have the ability to go down and go down fast and very quickly, but that comes with discipline. That comes with practice. I've been doing this for almost, I've been meditating for almost 20 fucking years. Like I've been meditating since I was, you know, my mum started teaching me meditation when I was, probably before I was even 10, but actual structured meditation, like Vipassana you know, and, and Transcendental Meditation, I've almost been doing that for 20 years. And it's only really been in the last five years where I actually feel like I'm getting a handle on it. Now, I know that's gonna be really depressing for most people going, well, fuck, you know, and for me, it's already a challenge. But this is the thing, when you go to the gym for the first time, it's gonna be a challenge. You know, When you start lifting something for the first time, it's gonna hurt. But the more you lift it, the stronger that muscle gets and the less pain you have, and the more you can push through. And meditation is the same. You know, And the expectation that there is a particular mantra that'll allow you to drop in faster and quicker and stronger, you know, you're just looking at meditation the wrong way. And I'm not saying there aren't certain mantras that are maybe better than others. I'm sure there could be. I do know of someone actually very famous, who I I won't mention their name, they told me when they were giving their mantra from Transcendental Meditation, they didn't like the mantra they were giving, so they went and got another master and got a different, different, uh, sorry, another master and got a different mantra. But for me, it's got nothing to do with the mantra. And it's got everything to do with the discipline and the practice and the willingness to just keep showing up and sitting every day. You know, sitting multiple times a day. Like I'm in a bit of a phase right now, I'm meditating, in most days right now, I'm meditating four times a day four times a day for between 20 to 40 and sometimes 50 minutes at a time. And you might say, well, Kerwin, you've got too much time on your hands. No, I've just got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now and I know that if I'm not doing this, that I'm gonna be actually holding on, okay, and essentially trapping stuff that's going on emotionally in my life right now that could manifest into other problems. So meditation is a great way to release energy and just allow whatever's in your body to be released. Uh, And the deeper you go, the deeper you get into the things that can be released, but there's gotta be a level of discipline and practice there. So there is no easy answer. Uh, I would like to tell you my Transcendental Meditation Mantra, but I can't because it's a secret. That's, that's what they tell you anyway. Um, and look, there are so many mantras you can use. Like, you, know, you can do a thank you meditation where your, your, your mantra is just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's OM meditations where you can just focus on OM. You know, there's many mantras you can use and the purpose of the mantra is to focus the mind on a single point so that everything else can arise from behind it and be released. So it's not necessarily in every situation about finding a magic mantra, as it is about just finding your own groove by lots of discipline and lots of practice. Every day, every day. It's not a diet, it's not an event. It's a lifestyle, it's a way of life. Make it a way of life. No magic pill. There's no magic pill. Final question from Alan. Alan, <coughs> On Alan, Alan. Alan, Alan. Alan! Alan Kikuchi, how do you stay hungry every day? How do you not get bored of doing the same thing every day? Well, I stay hungry every day because I normally only eat once, maybe twice a day, and so I am legitimately hungry every day. Um, that's the end of the show! That's the end of the show! <laughs> Glad you asked the question. Uh, but what's interesting is, the, although it sounds like a metaphor, the connection between my actual physical hunger that I have now on a daily basis and my performance, they're actually intrinsically linked. Because I've actually discovered the more hungry I am, the harder that I work. It's, it's kind of interesting. So I know we're not talking about the same thing, but in my mind the, the two are certainly connected. But the way that I stay hungry is by focusing on my purpose, by focusing on my mission, you know, by focusing on where it is that I want to go. Um, it's not that I don't take the time to experience where I am now. But the way that we stay hungry is by looking at what we're here to do, you know, and focusing on the, the work that has to be done. But more importantly, also by realizing that, you know, time is limited. Your life is finite. And you, know, you don't know if you're gonna wake up tomorrow. Uh, that's the reality of Every single day, and this might sound strange, but every single day without fail, I wake up. And be, when I wake up, and before I go to bed, I always ask myself this question, is this gonna be my last day? Uh, now, seven near-death experiences does that to you, but also seven near-death experiences make you realize how fragile life is. How precious life is, and how it can be just taken away at some moments' notice. So for me, one of the reasons I stay hungry is because I am hungry, literally physically hungry on a daily daily basis, and I like being hungry. Like I like the feeling of being hungry. Okay. Uh, the second thing is I focus on what I'm here to do. You know. And the third thing is I realise that you know I may not be here for another day, another week, another month, another year, another ten years, or, or twenty years. And so in the time that I've got, I'm, I've we've just got to make the most with what we've got because when that time is up, when the bell goes. I guarantee you, you're gonna be wanting more and it's gonna to be too late. And so, you know, make the most of it while you can. Don't, don't die with the music inside. Do you think a lot of people are surprised by death? They're like, oh, oh shit. Oh shit, know, a tear. tear. Yeah. I think death is like, for most people, it's like a relationship ending or it's like a bank foreclosing. It's something they think will never happen to them. You know, it always happens to other people, you know, unless it's you know, age-related decline, death, you know, people getting old and they're starting to die, then they start to realize more and the impact of the mentality. But I often think it's the the sudden mortality that really wakes people up the most because it's not a slow, gradual decline, it's just something that happens really fast. You know, Napoleon Hill talks about it in his book, Think and Grow Rich, where um, there are three great, there are three triggers that he's identified that have been huge, uh, hugely fundamental to propel certain individuals towards radical levels of, uh, of success and wealth. And the, the first one was, you know, meeting someone, so meeting someone that they loved, that inspired them to, you know, become more hungry. So all of a sudden they weren't just, you know, going out and trying to hunt for themselves, they were hunting for someone else. And that has a tendency to make people hungry. The second one was the birth of a child. And again, that's something that makes people hungry. I've now got something I've got to, I've now got this being that I have to serve. I've got this being that I need to be of service for and make sure they've got food. So you become hungry to go and you know, serve for them uh, and, and be able to give to them. And the third thing is mortality. And mortality, as Napoleon talks about it, is either experiencing your own mortality with either a near death experience with self or someone close to you dying. Uh, and I could tell you if someone's, I've not only nearly died seven times, but by the age of 23, I'd lost 12 mates to the either drug overdose, murder um, uh, and car accidents and even drink driving. You know, I've, I've lost an unusual amount of people in my life and I'm very grateful for that and I'm grateful for the pain that it's developed because it's also reinforced this perspective that, you know, life is short and I don't think that is a bad perspective. I think it's a healthy perspective and one that keeps me hungry every day. I want to be able to leave here and know the moment that I leave that if I'm leaving now that my son has something that you know that that, that will enable him to you know live for the rest of his life in a way that can allow him to pursue what he wants, but also give him a memory that would inspire him to be you know to be to do something greater than just going to make money. Uh, And where I feel like I am in my life right now, if I died tomorrow, you know I'd be I'd be okay. I'd be devastated that I wouldn't get to see my son grow up. I'd be absolutely devastated, but on, on, on the other hand, you know, I'd feel like I've, I've left a, a legacy that's strong enough for Noah to follow when he's old enough to be aware and, you know, yeah, get something from it. Thank you. Is that it? That's it. That was episode 10 of the Hey Kerwin Show. Ooh. Hashtag, Hey Kerwin with your questions, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, but we have to have the question of the day. The question of the day is, if you could transform any area of your life, what area of your life would it be? What is the one area of your life right now? that is in need of the greatest levels of transformation. Write it below, get aware, and let's do something about it.